Okay. So Annie and I used to have this couch, our very first couch. It was giant red sectional. And it's this kind of couch that was in our first home that, you know, you would sit in. And when you sat, you would just sink into it. And the troubles of the world would melt away. You know what I'm talking about. It was just so stinking comfortable. It is where we have so many memories. It's where we raised our kids, like all this stuff. But one day when we had this couch, we were sitting there just talking And all of a sudden, we look at each other, and we're like, wait a second. It's quiet. Too quiet. We had three kids under five at the time. It shouldn't be that quiet. So immediately, we go into parent mode. We're like, okay, where's Colin and Griffin? Okay, they're in their room playing together quietly. That's odd. Wait, where's Eden? So we run to her room, and we find her sitting there sucking the juice out of an air freshener, the liquid air fresheners. I, I, me, I, know, I immediately go into dad mode. I'm like, you take it out of her mouth. I'm calling poison control. God, poison control. They're like, she didn't get anything out. It's okay. She's fine. Just watch her. She, she was fine, I hope. She was, she's fine. She's 15 now. It's okay. Um, but have you ever been there? That moment where you were uncomfortably comfortable. You were like, it's going well, too well. It's too quiet. What's about to happen? It's like that calm before the storm saying, right? Which many of us use figuratively. I use it literally because I've been through two hurricanes, Hurricane Katrina and Andrew. And you know, now I know, you don't leave when it gets calm outside because that's the eye of the storm. There's a whole nother wave coming, right? It's that feeling when you're going on a roller coaster and you're going up and you're like, what's about to happen? One of my favorite roller coasters is in Tampa. It's at Bush Gardens and it's called Shikra. Here's what it looks like. So if you look at it, the first drop is 90 degrees, 200 feet. Let me explain. So here's what they do. They, you go up at an angle and then you go to the top, that curve. And at that top, while you're going around, you can literally see all of Tampa. That's how high it is. So, for, so then you're like, okay, okay, here we go. I can do this. I can do this. And then here's what they do next. It is so dirty. They give you this view and they stop you. So you can look at the drop. How mean is that? And here's the, even, you can't count the time, no matter how times you've been on it, because they randomize between one and five seconds when they drop you. It's that feeling of what's about to happen. Some of you, I'm going to die. Like what's going to happen, right? For some of you, some of you looking at this, you can feel that right now, can't you? You're like, this is why I don't ride roller coasters because of dirty things that people do like that, all right? But for us, have you ever been there? Or maybe, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're there right now and you have, you're uncomfortably comfortable and you've got that feeling like what's about to happen. Maybe you're waiting for the wake of the midterms to see what shakes out with that. Maybe it's what's going on in Ukraine. Who knows? Or you could, it could be something happening at work. You hear rumblings at work or even at home. You're wondering what's going on. Or maybe right now you're like, I wasn't until you said that. Thanks, Raul. (laughs) Now you're like, I'm uncomfortable. All right. What's going to happen after COVID? What's going on with inflation? What's going to happen after I leave this place? Like who knows, right? It's that feeling of like, when you're in your comfort zone, you're good, you're safe. You feel great. You're content. But it's that feeling when you're like teetering the line of getting out of your comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I don't want to leave this place. I'm good right here. I don't want to go over here. And for all of us, there's different levels of comfort that all of us face. And it's unique to each one of us. But here's what I want to go through some levels of comfort to see where who's in the room. So for level one, it's your phone. So I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Are you a person who's like, I don't mind calling people. I'm comfortable with calling people. Or are you like, why in the world would anyone call someone? Uh, text and DM. Who's my call people? Who minds? 
Okay, a bunch of you don't mind calling. Who's like, no, I would never call anyone. I know I'm in that boat. It's like, well, it's so much more efficient to text and you get so many things done at the same time. Multitasking, hello. And so anyway, so that's level one. You see the different levels of comfort even in the room. And even when it, within that, we have different nuances of who will actually answer the phone from, right? Level two. Level two is people. So people is your comfort level or your comfort zone. I don't mind going to a party and hanging out, right? Or you're like, no. I'll go dinner with friends or dinner with myself. Thank you very much. Raise your hand if you're my party people in the room. Okay. Dinner with friends or myself. Okay. See, it's pretty evenly split. It's pretty close. Okay. The last one is a little extreme from your comfort level. A plane. How many of you, I'm fine with jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. And how many of you are like, no, my favorite place is home. I have the t-shirt. It's on my couch. Thank you very much. Raise your hand if my plane people. Where you? Wow. You would jump out of an airplane? That's amazing. Okay, who's my home people? Well, that's a lot more there. You're like, no, nah, I'm good, bro. I'll fly on a plane. I'm not jumping out of a plane. Thank you very much. But many of us, even when I was talking about that, did you get a little uncomfortable? Even thinking about jumping out of an airplane, even thinking of going to a party. Some of you, I saw it went like this. You had a twitch. No, like, I don't need people in my life. I'm good. Like, my, my couch is great. But that's what I want to talk about today is how do we, what happens when we're in our comfort zone? Because it's safe, it's, con, it's a place of contentment, and we need that. But is it where we grow? Is it how we become a better parent? Is it how we become a better leader, a better friend, a better spouse? Is it the way that Jesus calls us to live? No, it's not. There's no growth and comfort. So I'm going to tell you right now, my goal of this series, I'm going to give it up top. It's to make you uncomfortable. I want you during our series, especially this morning, to feel a little uncomfortably comfortable. Even so much so that during the week, you get annoyed by me. You're like, oh, Raul's making me feel uncomfortable even today. That's my goal because here's what I believe. I believe the better way of living is the way Jesus calls us to live. A life not focused on ourselves. A life focused on loving others. A life of adventure where we can do the things God has planned for us to do. A life where in turn, if we live that way, we become better parents better friends, better spouses, better coworkers. And I know you want that. And so here's how we're going to do that today. So this morning, what I want to do, I want to look at a statement Jesus made. And this statement wrecked his apostles. And in fact, it moved them so far out of their comfort zone that they had no choice but to live this way. And when he made this statement, it forced them to start moving in a direction. They were actually moving in the opposite direction to move towards where they took this message about Jesus far and wide to where we're still talking about it today. And that's why it's significant. And so what I want to do is I'm going to look at what Luke wrote in the book of Acts. And in Acts, it's almost, it's not almost, it is the sequel to his first book called The Gospel According to Luke. And in The Gospel According to Luke, he wrote all about Jesus' life. He investigated, he researched, he interviewed all about who Jesus was all up until the day he died and came back to life. And then Acts is the rest of the story when Jesus told his apostles this statement and then left and then tells the story of how the message about Jesus spread like wildfire to even we're still talking about today. And historians still can't explain how this ragtag group of uneducated men accomplished such a great mission and vision that we know about it and around the world today. And so in the, in, in the book, of, uh, book of Luke, he talks about Jesus' life. But in the book of Acts, we learn how to live a Jesus-centered life. So here's how Luke starts it off. He says this. In my former book, Theophilus, so he's still writing to Theophilus, and this name, what we've learned is it's a high-ranking Roman officer. 
And he's saying in my former book, my first, I'm going to bridge these two together. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Then he continues on. He says, next, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is significant. See, Jesus could have died and come back to life and then showed up for a day and peaced out and left, right? He could have done that, but he stayed for 40 days. Why? Well, the reason Luke tells Theophilus this is because he wanted to convince people it was real, that this wasn't a made-up story. He, he came to a bunch of different groups of people to show his scars in his hands and the, the holes in his side. And through that process, what's interesting is people finally started believing him. See, if you read the gospel accounts, his apostles didn't understand what he was talking about most of the time. They're like, parables? What are you talking about, this kingdom of God? You're claiming to be the son of God. You're either a liar or a lunatic. But now he died and came back to life. Now they're paying attention. They're like, okay, this guy's legit. This guy's real. Now we're fi- they're finally listening to his whole teachings about the kingdom of God. And it's interesting because another reason Luke includes this is because this is one of the major rebuttals or the major reasons people can't follow Jesus. It's a fact some of you I've talked to you about. You're like, I don't know. Like, I love his teachings. He's great. He has, he, he's kind, compassionate. He tells us to love others, to not be divisive. But... This whole thing about dying and coming back to life, that's really hard to believe. But as we've seen with Luke and other eyewitness accounts like Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, Paul, James, the brother of Jesus, who called him Lord. I mean, listen, what would it take for for your brother to call you Lord? Seriously, not sarcastically, right? Like, what would it take? Through those eyewitness accounts, we can know that what Luke is writing is true. He continues on. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Okay, this is huge. This gift, Jesus has been talking about to his apostles so many times, and they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? But now he brings it back up again after coming back to life. So if I was an apostle, I'd be like, okay, This dude died and came back to life. I want this gift. Thank you very much. Where is it? I want it now because it's going to be incredible. And so he says, here's what it is. He starts off and he says, for John baptized with water. So he starts with a statement to set up what he's about to give them. And the reason he brings up John's baptism is because John came and was the forerunner to Jesus saying the Messiah is coming and he would baptize with water, which is similar to what we do today. You know how we do baptism in this room right over to my right, your left, and we do it in a tub of water. Now there's nothing special about this water. Same with John because he baptized in the Jordan River and it is dirty if you've ever been there. And here it's regular old Hamilton Mill tap water. It's nothing special. It's just an outward expression of an inward decision telling people, I have chosen to follow Jesus. So he's like, that happened. But what I'm about to give you is about to change the game forever. He says, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is the first time he's used the the name of the Holy Spirit, saying Holy Spirit versus just spirit. This is huge. This is God's presence living with them. It's not a random smattering where the spirit comes and goes. It's gonna be God's spirit with them now and forever. And also, He's finalized the Trinity, which is what we believe about God. Now, we don't believe in poly, polytheism where it's multiple gods. We believe in one God, but in three persons. We believe in God the Father, and God the Father is the one over, who sustains all of life. 
God the Son, which is Jesus Christ. It's God in a bod. It's God in the flesh. And he's over all of creation. And then last but not least, now we have God the Spirit, who's over your life if you're a follower of Jesus. He's the one who keeps you going. He's the one uh, who is called the Comforter. And so he continues on. Um, what's, what happens next after Jesus says this cracks? This is so funny. You're about to hear how I read my Bible. The disciples just, the apostles just don't get it. Here's what they said. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Bro, seriously? Like he just told you about this amazing gift that's gonna literally change the world for all of eternity. And you're like, can you restore the kingdom to Israel? Because you're back now, right? Which means you're gonna be the king, which means we can live in peace and comfort next to you because you're going to rule over Israel. We will be the superpower. We will no longer bow down to anyone. In fact, they're going to bow down to us because you're King Jesus. They were not getting the point that the reason he's giving the Holy Spirit is not to keep this Christianity, this message of hope locked to a region, but to spread for all of eternity. They just didn't get it. Side note, this is another reason why you can believe what Luke is writing is true. If you were trying to start a movement or create a religion, wouldn't you paint the apostles as heroes, as super courageous, as people who got it, not didn't get it. Anyways, I love Jesus's response. This cracks me up. He goes, he says this, it is not for you, McFly, to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority. He's essentially saying, you're not God. You don't need to know that. You just need to know what you need to do right now, which is kind of how he treats us today, isn't it? We would mess up his plans, wouldn't we? If we knew everything, side note. Anyways, so he's saying it's a secret. You're missing the point. Here's the reason I gave you the gift. And now is when he drops the bomb where he he says this statement is what made them, it shook them to their core. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This gift I told you about, it's powerful and it's gonna come on you and it's gonna stay with you. But here's why I'm giving it to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, they were like, Jesus is back. He's going to rule. We're going to be right beside him and we're going to be comfortable. Yay, not true. I'm not going to be the one to spread this message. I'm not going to be the one to bring the kingdom of God to earth. You are. And you've got to go to places you've never been or even heard before. And you've got to spread this message far and wide. And they did it, which is why we're still talking about today. But they didn't do it because they were a ragtag group of uneducated men. They did it because of this guy, of the Holy Spirit. And that probably just made some of you uncomfortable. Be like, are we talking about the Holy Spirit today? Yes. Some of you just got a little uncomfortable, didn't you? You're like, I've heard about this Holy Spirit thing, and I'm not so sure about it. It's very confusing, and I'm not sure what to do with it because the things I've seen has kind of been weird. And some of you, when we talk, you you might be like, man, sometimes we get a little too spirited in worship in here. You know what I mean? When we say amen, hallelujah, you and raise our hands. It's like, I don't know if I can handle this whole Holy Spirit thing. Some of you just don't know what the Holy Spirit is and, and what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. And maybe your only interaction is when someone said, Holy Spirit, activate. You know, when you're standing at the DMV and they're just going slow and you're like, hold on, Holy Spirit, activate. Let's get a move on, people. Or maybe when your kid's throwing a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store, you're like, hold on, 
Holy Spirit, activate. Get this demon out of this kid, right? Or, or, or maybe when you're sitting down for a test that you forgot to study for, hold on. Holy Spirit, activate, right? And many times that could be your interaction with what the Holy Spirit is. It's something that you call on in your time of need. But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't just get activated randomly. It's, it comes, it's actually always with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit when you choose to follow Jesus, not later. It's immediately when you say, I am a follower of Jesus. I want to live this way. And so let me explain to you how the Holy Spirit empowered these apostles to go do a mighty work and how he helps us today. See, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so first of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a him. It's the third person of the Trinity, like we talked about. So it's actually God, his personal presence is how the biblical authors describe it. His personal presence living within you. And he says, he calls him the advocate, which is actually a legal term. It's, it's like someone who advocates for it. It's a paralegal, someone who brings comfort uh, or, or guides you. And so it's interesting. When you read this and you read everything Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and the rest of the biblical authors, it actually boils down to a couple things, actually really two things of what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is and what he's supposed to do in our lives. It's this. He empowers us to comfort us, but also to make us uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit comforts us and makes us uncomfortable. Let me explain. The Holy Spirit has multiple things, specifically three ways he does these things that I want to go through today. And as I go through these, I want you to lean into this. I want you to be willing to receive this to say, okay, how do I apply this to my life, especially if you're a follower of Jesus? So the first way that he comforts us is he encourages us. And he encourages us specifically in times of need, like we mentioned. See, it's those times when you're not sure you can keep going. It's those times when you receive news you probably weren't planning on receiving. Maybe you get a diagnosis or maybe you start feeling like, I can't make it. And this, this encouragement he gives you is this thing he helps you to keep going, to keep moving, to keep moving forward. Let me explain. Have you ever met someone who shouldn't be at peace, who maybe just got some news or something just happened or maybe their life is falling apart and they have a peace or a joy that makes no sense? It's because they've got the Holy Spirit comforting them and encouraging them. He is saying, God is with you through this. He is walking with you. So that's the first way the Holy Spirit comforts you by encouraging you. The way, but the same way he comforts you is actually the, the way he makes you uncomfortable. He gives you courage is the word. He gives you courage. And here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He helps you do things you never thought you would do. This is where it gets a little weird. He gives you the courage to step out and do things that might make you a little uncomfortable. For example, he might encourage you or give you courage to take that job, even though you don't feel qualified for it, and you maybe have, don't have the training for it, to interview for it. Maybe you're talking with a mom and she's struggling, and it's to talk with her and to pray with her and to help her. Could be sitting with that kid at school who sits by themselves. It could be joining a small group. It could be even as uncomfortable as praying with your spouse. If you've never done that before, that's weird. It feels weird the first time you do it, but maybe the Holy Spirit's calling you to do that. It could be even as simple as switching schools, switching majors. It could be even doing things for God like adopting, fostering, 
giving, serving, or even going on a mission trip, right? The Holy Spirit encourages you, which is giving you courage to do things you never thought you would do. And let me tell you, when you start leaning into this, relationships are restored, people are helped, and this community is changed when you start focusing on being uncomfortable and stepping out of your comfort zone. Jesus explains the next thing the Holy Spirit tells us. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the next thing that the Holy Spirit does to make us comfortable, to comfort us, is he teaches us. Now, this is so cool. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you read your Bible, it can be confusing. Well, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's confusing as well, right? (laughs) There's so much in there. But have you ever been reading scripture and something just seems to stand out and pop out at you? It happened to me this week. I know I'm a professional Christian. This shouldn't happen to me because I'm like, I read my Bible all day. That's all I do. And then I come here on Sundays. No, I was reading Romans and I was reading the first three chapters and I've read it so many times, but this past week, it stood out to me so much of something that actually applied directly to my life that I needed to do. See the Holy Spirit He'll illuminate scripture in a way you've never experienced for as long as you let him, as long as you lean into that. And that brings you comfort because it usually helps remind you of something you need to do. Another way to do it is settings like this. Maybe you're listening to someone talk, you're watching on YouTube, listening to a podcast. And it's like, okay, whoa, 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 Raul, are you reading my mail? Are you reading my DMs? Like, how did you know I'm dealing with this? And I don't, (laughs) I'm not that good. Trust me, I'm not that good. It's because the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear that. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. So there's a couple times this has happened. I'll be talking to someone after my message and they'll be like, Raul, oh my gosh, when you said this, it's like, it's like you knew what I needed to hear and change in my life. And in my head, I'm like, I didn't, I don't remember saying that. And you know what that means, right? A lot of times the Holy Spirit will take my words and you'll hear it the way you need to hear it so that you can continue to follow the way of Jesus. I know, sounds crazy. It's super weird, but trust me, there's been times that's happened. The flip side of this, so he teaches, but just like Jesus said, he reminds us of what we've been taught in scripture. See, have you ever been sitting there and all of a sudden something comes to mind that you've read or something you've heard from a speaker and you're like, wow, when I heard it, it didn't matter. But now it it matters more because we're adults, right? We learn on a need to know basis. And so the Holy Spirit will illuminate something and remind us of something that we need to change. Now with the uncomfortable part, It's usually something we do that hurts ourselves or hurts others, which ultimately hurts our relationship with God. And that's called sin. Because sin will hurt those things. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of things he has taught you or illuminated in scripture or you've heard so you can fix that sin. Now, why do you need to fix that sin? Why do you need to stop doing it? Well, because sin kills things, doesn't it? Sin kills things. And the way, what does it kill? Kills your integrity, kills your character, kills your purpose, your calling on your life. It kills the relationships around you. It kills your ability to keep moving forward, right? And so what is the, how does the Holy Spirit do it? Well, the Holy Spirit, he, what he does is he convicts you. He empowers you by lovingly bringing things to light that you need to change. Now I say lovingly because I said the word conviction. And many times when I say the word conviction, people hear what? Condemnation. But there's a big difference. Condemnation is not from the Holy Spirit. See, the voice of condemnation is, I can't believe you did that. You're a horrible person. Gosh, but really? That's either ourselves telling us that or the enemy telling us that. 
But the voice of the Holy Spirit, the conviction, it's you're better than that. You're made for more. I am not disappointed for you. In fact, you can do this. And what I love is when he convicts you, he doesn't just leave you where you are because God isn't, isn't satisfied with just leaving where you are. He loves us so much that he wants to move us forward. He'll give you a way out. He'll help you with it. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit will move you forward. It's incredible. And then when he does that, he gives you a distaste for your sin. This desire to stop doing what you're doing, where you become so uncomfortable, you're like, okay, I guess I've got to stop doing that. I can't stop thinking about it. You ever been there? It's a weird feeling, but that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Now, the last part, before I move to the last part, do you see how each of these actually go together? Encourages, encourages, teaches, and reminds. This last one is actually the same word for both. Here's what Jesus says. He says this next, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so he makes us comfortable by guiding us and he makes us comfortable by guiding us in the sense of he'll show us the way and he speaks directly from our heavenly father. See, the way he does this is he gives us the wisdom, the discernment and the direction to know where to go. When you're trying to figure out what to do in your life and you're wondering what's the next step or is this the right step? The Holy Spirit, when you lean into him and you listen to him, he will help guide you in the right direction straight from your heavenly father. And you know how he does this, right? I wish it was a billboard, don't you? Don't you wish it was a giant billboard or some sky, riding in the sky going, this is the way, walk in it. I would never believe that though if it actually happened. I'm like, yeah, it's fake. All right, fake news. But instead, the Holy Spirit does it through small nudges and small guidance. It's that still, small, quiet voice in your heart. Now, how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit or you? Well, the way you know this is through three ways. We've talked about this before. He confirms his voice by different ways. First, scripture. When you're reading scripture, he'll illuminate something that'll help stand out to you. And you'll be like, oh, that's what I need to do. But that you can't go by just one way. You, as you start talking to people and you start talking to others, They'll confirm what you read in scripture by saying something. And you'll be like, wait, that's what I just read about. And I feel like I need to do something about. And then the final way he makes sure it's the truth and you know it's from him and not yourself. Is just something will happen. A circumstance will happen that'll cause you to say, that's it. This is the step I need to take. This is the direction I need to go. This is the decision I need to follow. And it's that nudge. But the flip side is also, that's also how he makes you uncomfortable is he guides you the same way. And this can be super weird because it's this overwhelming sense that you need to do something. You just can't shake it. And it's this need to step out, to act on. If you see something, say something. If you need to extend grace or give forgiveness, it's to help, to care for, to provide for. It's that feeling like I've got to do this. Now here's where it gets really weird. Because this is like the whole God told me kind of thing, Right? We're like, I don't know, this feels like God's telling me, but it's making me really uncomfortable and really out of my comfort zone. I don't know if I want to do this, right? But this nudge, here's how you know if it's true or not, just like we talked about before. The Holy Spirit's never going to nudge you to do something that goes against scripture. For example, the Holy Spirit's never going to tell you, hey, walk over to that person and tell them they're canceled. He's never going to do that to you. He's never going to make you go tell someone they're canceled. And if someone uses this as a pickup line, 
oh, God told me we need to be together and they didn't tell you and God didn't tell you that. That's crazy. Hashtag run, get out of there. All right. And if they use it as a breakup line, it might be true or not. Let them go. Not worth it. Just let them go. If the God told them to break up with you, but really this, this nudge is an overwhelming sense to do something. For example, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, one of my friends, and we were just talking about things going on in his life. And he's like, Raul, man, I just feel this, this sense, this nudge, this overwhelming feeling that I need to start a Bible study at work. But I, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's right or not. And I was like, well, what makes you say that? Well, he's like, well, I've been talking to the guys and I, uh, I feel like they all have questions about Jesus, but they need to know more. And I'm like, bro, do it. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to do it. That goes great in line with scripture. It's going to honor God and it's going to help you at work. Yes, I would do it. Um, there's a friend of mine. Her name is Hillary. Uh, one day she was at Barnes and Noble and she got this sense, this overwhelming sense that she needed to do something. She got this nudge and she did not want to do it. She's okay. So she's in the Bible section because she likes a physical Bible. So she wanted to go there and get a physical Bible. And while she's there, this girl walks up and is kind of frantic. She's like, I need a Bible. I need a Bible. I need a Bible. And the Holy Spirit kind of nudges Hillary and is like, go talk to her. She goes, nope. I'm like, did you say that out loud? She's like, yes. <laughs> well, then you look as crazy as her. But um, she said, nope. She, she, she kept looking for a Bible on her own. She couldn't shake it. She felt like she needed to talk to her. So she walks over to her and she looks at her and she goes, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? Can I help you? She's like, oh my gosh. I just heard about this guy named Jesus. <clears throat> excuse me. And it's in this thing called a Bible. And there's so many. Where do I, I don't even know what to do. I just need to, I just finally found out about this guy named Jesus and that God loves me. I always thought God was angry at me. And so Hillary ends up buying her a Bible. And for the next couple of weeks, spends time with her teaching her about Jesus and how to read her Bible. And this girl ends up following Jesus and giving her life to Christ. All because Hillary followed the nudge of the Holy Spirit and got uncomfortable and got out of her comfort zone. You see where I'm going with this? Now you might be sitting there going, Yep, nope, still. I'm not gonna talk to a random stranger. I'm not gonna start a Bible study at work. I'll probably get fired. You know what I mean? But maybe for you, the Holy Spirit might need to start nudging you in a certain way of maybe texting someone. Maybe that's all it is. Have you ever received a text from someone at the exact moment you needed it? And it was perfectly timed and you're like, how did they know? They didn't, but they listened to the Holy Spirit nudging them. There's been times in my brain, I can't shake someone's name off my head. And so I text them, and when the, the response is usually, how did you know? Like, this is exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. And all I'm saying usually is I'm praying for you. Like, there's nothing specific. I don't get, like, specific words and stuff like that. One time, Annie uh, woke up, and she's like, Raul, I can't get Jenny out of my head. And Jenny is a friend we've talked about here. She's got a life-altering illness. I can't get her out of my head. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, text her. She's like, okay. What do I text her? I was like, I don't know you know her, like it's your friend, text her. Like, So she just texts her, I'm praying for you in a word of encouragement. No response. Okay, well, I, it's out of my head at least now, right? An hour later, Jenny texts back and here's her response. I didn't think I was gonna be able to get out of bed today. The pain was too much and I, was, I just wanted to die. But instead your text gave me a reason to keep living and to get out of my bed to power through it and to be there for my family. You never know what hangs in the balance of that nudge. Lean into it. It's uncomfortable, but it's worth it 
isn't it? Not for you, but for the people around you to feel what you get every single day, that comfort, that guidance, that reminding from the Holy Spirit, God living inside of you. And that's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you the courage to step out of your comfort zone. But the problem is we like our comfort zone, don't we? It's easy. It's simple. It makes me happy. And that's okay. But every once in a while, we need to not spectate. We need to do more than spectating. In fact, we're called to not just spectate. And that's why we're given the Holy Spirit. See, we're given the Holy Spirit to participate, not spectate. It's easy to just spectate and watch, isn't it? You're like, oh, someone needs help. You can go there. You're good. Someone else will get them. But when that overwhelming sense comes in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit empowering you to give you courage, to remind you of what God has called you to do to step out and be guided by him to go help that person, to go send that text, to start that Bible study, to go do something courageous, to help your family, to help your coworker, to do something great that is not of yourselves. And let me tell you guys, I know this is a little uncomfortable to talk about, but it is worth it. It is such a freeing life because let me ask you, are you feeling truly free right now? Are you truly at peace in your comfort zone? You might be comfortable, But are you good? Are you content? Or are you kind of feeling a little unsettled right now? Are you a little uncomfortably comfortable right now? See, it's easy to go with the flow or to compare yourself to the status quo, but that's not where you grow. That's not where you become a better parent, a better leader, a better friend, and a better spouse. But this way of living, it is so freeing. And you know that fulfilling life Jesus talks about? This is how you get it. Because see, when you start doing this, when you start participating versus just spectating, you get empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things, great things, but it's not for yourself. It's for the people around you. It's for God's glory and to make Jesus' name famous. And in turn, the results benefit you, ironically, because that's how God works. He says, live for me and I'll walk with you. I'll guide you. I'll comfort you when you get that news you never expected to get. I'll use you to comfort someone else. And that, guys, is exciting. That is an exciting way to live. Because when you start doing this, it doesn't happen constantly. It's random. But every single time, it grows your faith. It helps you sing that song we just sang called Oceans. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. That line wrecks me every single time because that's what I want to live by. I want to trust him completely with my life because when I do, it is better. I'm more content. I'm stronger. I'm more at peace because I know I'm living the way Jesus wants me to live. Now, here's the dangerous part with this whole series. When you start doing this, the Holy Spirit is going to work through you, but he's going to strip you of your pride. He's going to strip you of your selfishness, your desire to live for yourself. But that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be divisive people. We're called to help people and to love people, aren't we? So let's be a group of people who choose to move out of our comfort zone, not on our own strength, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul explains it this way. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You see what that's saying? That's the same power that we have is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Dang, that's intense. Let's lean into that. Let's not just participate. Let's be a group of people willing to leave our comfort zone and participate and not just spectate. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thanks for giving us you. You didn't have to do that. You could be a God who's far removed from us and who's always angry at us and disappointed us and expecting more and more and more. Yet, you have chosen to be amidst us. The creator of the universe living in our hearts, giving us the wisdom, the direction, and the discernment to know what to do and then giving us the courage to do it and guiding us in the right way. So Lord, let us be a people who don't just spectate, but who participate in the work you are doing because that's where we accomplish great things for you, but also that's where we grow and we become better and we become the person you have designed us to be and called us to be. So thank you. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of your plan. Still blows my mind that you choose to be with us. And it's all because of Jesus and in his mighty name we pray, amen.